Hello, hello. Welcome to episode number 64 of the Weight Loss Lifestyle with Donna Reesh. Tech problems again. I've been having many tech problems, right? And now we had to go virtual for all of our classes for all 160 plus of our students this week. So um, we had tech problems there too. Zoom is like just overwhelmed right now with all the telecommuters, the people working from home, businesses, meetings and everything. I don't think Zoom was equipped for that. So we've been having all kinds of issues. So I'm coming to you in two places and I have um, a video right here to watch too. Unfortunately, the Facebook people will not be able to, I will not be able to screen share with the Facebook people. So this chart was posted in the Facebook group if you want to follow along with me. And also the video that I'm recording will have me screen sharing this chart as well. So this is the best we can do. Welcome, I'm Donna Reesh. And like I said, this is episode 64 of Weight Loss Lifestyle. This is an episode that I've been waiting and anticipating doing for a long time. I actually started preparing for it um, eight months ago, maybe, started making notes. I have my phone full of notes about this important topic. And it's, it is important. It isn't important just so that one side or another or one view or another wins. It is important because people are just believing one view or another without considering how it works for them, without taking into account that maybe this one view isn't the best view, or maybe this one view isn't, doesn't apply to you, or maybe this one view doesn't work for you. So that is why it is an important topic. So I have been preparing for this, like I said, for the last eight months, and I've just been following different people um, who are intermittent fasting experts, who are keto experts, who are whole foods experts, nutrition kind of experts, authors, all kinds of people. You can see in the chart here in just a minute, all kinds of people. And then I would just like grab screenshots of like the charts that they put up. This breaks a fast. This doesn't. This is, you may as well not be fasting if you do this. You're not really fasting if you do that. You're just calorie counting and Whoa, babies, they are really, really um, very strongly opinionated, right? And um, that's fine. Everybody has their own opinion. But the point is, those are opinions. And that's why I really want to bring this information to you. I want you to see when you see eight different fasting teachers, when you see eight different people saying eight different things, I want you to see that we grab a hold of research that supports what we believe, right? We look for evidence for that what we believe is true. Now, there's probably some truth in all of all eight of these opinions, but does that mean that you have to follow one exactly? Does that mean that you aren't doing it right if you're not following one exactly? Does it mean that you can't get results if you're not following one exactly. So for those of you who are watching the replay, and I will post this tonight in the group, I am going to start screen sharing. So here we go. I have a chart that I'm super excited about sharing with you. 
and it looks like this. What doesn't and does, wrong chart. What doesn't and does, it's this one. What doesn't and does break a fast, advice from eight fasting experts. Now, before I delve into the eight experts, I want to give you some big picture things, okay? The first thing that we need to do is define our terms, right? And this goes back to the episode that I did on logical fallacies and defining our terms, right? So if we are going to say, okay, so that you can see the chart well, if we are going to say that something breaks a fast, we have to know what breaks a fast means, all right? And this is the first problem with blanket advice from even experts such as these that I'm discussing today. The problem is that we are not defining the terms of what breaks a fast. So at the very bottom of this chart, I have some notes uh, that I would like to provide for you as an overview before we start delving in to the individual positions on what breaks a fast, okay? Um, so let's start with, um, D, down below, base your consumption during the fast, that is what you consume, base it on your goals. That is defining the terms of what is, what is breaking a fast. So is your goal stem cell, stem cell rejuvenation? Is it autophagy? Or is it ketosis, fat burning, weight loss? Those are different goals. And guess what? The fast is broken, according to experts. The, the experts who are really, really um, teaching, uh, like, uh, um, not such a narrow research, but more like across the board, they are looking at it saying, okay, this breaks the fast. In other words, it takes you out of fat burning, takes you out of ketosis, but this does not. This takes you out of autophagy, but this does not. And so you can see why defining your terms is one of the most important things that you can do when it comes to saying this breaks the fast. All right, then also down uh, below is um, that we see base your fasting consumptions on your own body, all right? I talk about this all the time three different things that you need to base everything that you hear, read, listen to, and uh, research. You need to base it on these three things. Number one, reliable, robust, repeatable research. Not isolated research studies about mice, not self-reported people who are not, um, who are just telling this is what they ate. This is how much they ate. Self-reporting is, not a very good indicator of research, okay? Robust, reliable, repeatable research, okay? Number two, observation of others. And I talk about this a lot because um, many of you know that my husband, Ray Baby, has lost 120 pounds. And most of that has been through intermittent fasting, well over 100 of that has been. And he, in some experts' opinions, some camps for what breaks the fast, they would say to him, you're not even fasting because he drinks diet soda during the fast. And there are camps, groups, people who say he's not fasting. 
He isn't even fasting. Some of them even go so far as to like in threads, just like say, you're just counting calories. How can somebody be counting calories if they're not counting any calories? <laughs> so in some camps, they would say he's not even fasting, right? So my personal observation is that's not true. I've observed it. Now that's not how I fast, but I have had an observation of others and I see this is the truth for those people. And then the third measurement is personal experience. And so that is another thing that we need to really keep our eye on, right? Personal experience. So when we hear somebody say, like some of these experts that I'm even citing today, we hear one of them say, you absolutely can't lose any weight if you eat an apple. We know that's not true by research. We know that's not true by our observation of others. How many vegans do we know who are trim and fit and eat apples daily? We know that's not true from personal experience. Maybe you eat an apple every day and you're at your goal weight, okay? Or maybe like another one on this list has said, what in the world, why do people think you get, you build muscle by eating protein? That has nothing to do with it. Okay. <laughs> All right. So that is basing your fasting consumptions on your own body. For my husband, that has worked wonderfully. No problems whatsoever with staying, keeping the fast, fasting long, fasting well, eating in his eating window, and losing weight. So my observation of him is that diet soda did not break his fast. All right, so that is down below letter C, okay? The, uh, another important note is that many experts who started out teaching intermittent fasting were teaching it from completely different angles than what we hear today. So there are some of the very early pioneers of intermittent fasting actually taught that you could eat 50 calories or you could eat 60 calories and it didn't break your fast. The very, very beginning experts right? Those people who were teaching it before it even became mainstream. Others have taught that if it doesn't spike your blood sugar more than 10 points, is it blood sugar? Yeah. If it doesn't spike your blood sugar over 10 points, then it's not breaking your fast. Those were early pioneers and actually some people today even still teach that. Other people, I interviewed somebody actually for this episode who is a doctor of, um, um, diabetes, and she said that smells and sights can elicit a, an insulin response, but it goes right back down and you go right back, you just stay right back in the fasted or non-insulin state. She also said that something like a few calories or um, a mint, a sugar-free mint, or as something like even maybe a little bit of fat, if it, it might give you a 90 second or five minute blip, and then you'll go right back into the fast state. And this is not what we hear a lot of times in by different proponents. So another reason why this episode was so important to me is because I want us to see the spectrum, that there are people teaching intermittent fasting, there are doctors, chiropractors, nutritionists, authors, 
fasting experts, uh, nutrition experts, weight loss coaches teaching it, and they have different viewpoints of this. We can really get locked into one viewpoint when we are surrounded by that. There's a reason that quote is so popular, that you become like the five people that you hang out with the most. In five, another one, in five years, you will be whatever you are reading and listening to today. And so we can have a very narrow view of things simply because we are only taking this narrow viewpoint. So whereas I'm, I'm the kind of person who's like, it doesn't matter to me, I can just listen to a lot of different people, take what applies to me, leave the rest on the shelf. Take this, this applies to me, leave the rest on the shelf. But some people can't do that. And so with that, they're like, they join a camp and then there, that's it. That is the gospel. Even if research says otherwise, and even if there is a lot of conflicting research. So that is one reason why I wanted to do this presentation today. So I have eight gurus, eight experts on here. And I have to say that they did not tell me these things personally. Okay. Well, a couple of them I emailed and asked questions, but this is what I have gleaned from listening to them, from watching their videos, from reading their books, and from screenshotting their whiteboards and their charts and things like that. Okay. So um, one of them has said two different things pretty clearly. And so I emailed that person and she said that um, it depends on her goals, right? So at some point she says fat is okay. Another time she said 100% black coffee, tea, and water. Okay. And so she said it depends on the goal. So that goes back to, are you looking for autophagy or are you looking for weight loss? Are you looking for, you know, keeping yourself into ketosis, getting yourself into fat burning, getting yourself into ketosis? So that is a different mechanism than the other. So I actually started with uh, one of those because I think it's important that we realize that somebody who is coming at it from this angle is looking at it more broadly. And I think it's important that we look at it more broadly, that we don't just say that breaks a fast. What does breaking a fast mean? What is your goal of fasting? What are you breaking? And then also, what does breaking mean? Does it mean like a 90 second blip and then you're back to fat burning? Now, I don't say this so that people just do whatever they want during the fast. As a matter of fact, I would never do that. I would not be one who could break a fast, so to speak, outside of my five calorie supplement. I couldn't do it because once I start eating, I want to eat. So for me, that must break my fast. Anytime I eat something or I take a drink of my husband's diet pop or I take a bite of something um, or I forget and lick the knife when I'm making peanut butter for my grandkids, it makes me want to eat. So that makes me, in my terminology, in my definition, that is what I am saying breaks the fast for me. But it could be completely different for you. So here we go. Number one, this is a functional uh, medicine doctor, so a functional medical medicine doctor, and a health coach. All right, and one of the things that I really like about her is that she bases her recommendations on your goals. Again, going back to those notes at the bottom of the chart. She bases the recommendations on, on your goals. So she, her, uh, according to her video, she said if goal is ketosis, fat loss, then diet drinks, 
Sugar-free drinks, cream, stevia, and butter are all safe. All right, that's interesting, right? Because um, to me personally, I wouldn't want to use fat during the fast because everybody says, and this is true, that if you take something in, you have to burn through that. Now you are in fat burning, so you are gonna burn through that. You're not gonna go back into sugar burning, but if you're in fat burning, you will burn through it. But I always think, would I rather burn off two tablespoons of cream, which I don't drink coffee, I don't like it, but would I rather burn off two tablespoons of cream or would I rather burn off my own body fat? It's kind of still the same idea, in my opinion, but like six out of the eight say fat is fine. So, but you know, they're coming at it from a keto standpoint where we're still in ketosis as long as we're having fat, we're still in ketosis as long as we're eating fat and drinking fat. So, you know, that's, at, that's coming at it from the, the more of the ketosis standpoint, like keto diet standpoint. Okay. She also says that if autophagy slash stem cell regeneration is your goal, then she recommends nothing but water. All right. So I do like the way she approaches it because she separates out whether you want fat burning and ketosis and weight loss or whether you want uh, autophagy. And I think, again, that's an important note to make. Okay, number two, here we go for number two. It is a nutritionist and a chiropractor. This is two people uh, that um, teach together and they ran tests. It's very, very interesting. They ran tests on all kinds of things to see what raised their, what made them get out of ketosis and what raised their um, blood sugar. You can find these, they're called two fit docs and you can find them online. Okay. So they were not testing insulin. They came at it from the standpoint of if you raise your blood sugar, insulin has to come along, right? Because whenever you raise your blood sugar, insulin comes along to do its job. So that's the viewpoint that they were taking. So they were testing all kinds of things. Their videos are hugely popular because they gave their ketosis levels at a half an hour mark, the hour mark, and, and so on and so forth. For somebody who's really, really into ketosis, um, these are interesting videos. But generally speaking, they found that probably okay were stevia, sweet and low, equal, Splenda, erythritol, and monk fruit sweetener. So that's like the Lanco kind of products. Um, that's what I use um, to bake with whenever I uh, bake for myself during my eating window. Um, and uh, But not xylitol, which that wasn't surprising to me. I was actually a little surprised they even tested xylitol because xylitol is caloric. All right, so basically what they're saying here is non-caloric, no, no effect. Okay. Um, then, um, Okay, yeah, uh, but they also said, what I believe to be true too, if you do put MCT cream and butter, which they are big advocates of that, and they use that during their fast, but they're also quick to point out, but if you put those in your coffee or your tea, you have to burn through those, right? And, and we know that's true. You don't, can't just consume calories and just, they don't just vanish, right? Even though everybody wants the word calories to vanish, it doesn't, they don't vanish. <laughs> All right, number three, life and weight loss, loss coach and author. All right, uh, and this gal uh, has um, huge, huge uh, coaching uh, business and she has uh, a top of the line weight loss program. And um, 
she says probably fine if it's non-caloric sweet taste. Um, she uh, also says and actually has fat in her coffee. Um, but then she follows that up with if weight loss isn't stalled because of the excess calories. Okay, so she does admit that you are taking in extra calories and so it could cause your weight loss to stall or even weight gain. If you consume more than your body needs, we're going to gain weight. If you consume more than our bodies need, we're going to not lose weight. And she even went so far, and so did another teacher, to say that if you need help getting through the fast, that if you eat bites of fat, it will not break your fast. So she recommends very small, if you need it, bites of cream cheese, butter, fatty nuts, avocados, olives, but they still have to be burned first. I'm not really sure what the whole um, idea is with the keto coffees and the cream and MCT and all that in the coffee. When you think about the fact that you still have to burn through it, it like I said, it doesn't take you from fat burning to sugar burning, but you still have to work through it before you burn your body fat. So you're still not really burning your body fat during that time. Um, so anyway, that was interesting. Um, there's another person on here who said the same thing, that sometimes if she wants to go long, she wants to go 21, 22, 24 hours, she will just grab a couple black olives and then she's fine. So um, anyway, that's interesting to note. Again, this is, these are not things that I would do personally because I don't want to have to burn through that before I get into fat burning. And I don't want those extra calories because I believe calories matter. All right, number four. Uh, specialist, physician, fasting, and diet author. All right. Um, this one I got from charts in a book. So um, I feel like this is, uh, plus I've also heard him say these things. So um, he believes that small amounts of fruit in water or tea do not break the fast. And that's somewhat caloric, right? I mean, you know, granted, it might only be a few calories, but it is somewhat caloric. Um, vinegar and salt do not. Most of them do not think that vinegar and salt do. And he also believes that all fats in coffee, including half and half and whole milk, do not. And he also believes you can have herbal teas, including fruit flavors, cinnamon, and peppermint. And for extended fast, he really recommends broth, uh, which um, would be somewhat caloric, right? And just, um, and, and some people do that with extending fa extended fasting. I don't teach or practice extended fasting, but that is something that some people do. All right, so um, this person is like widely, widely popular, very, very uh, much followed. So you can see here, we have a lot of people who are saying the same thing about fat, that it's not going to take you out of ketosis. But one of the things I try to teach my intermittent fasting students is that ketosis is not the only goal for intermittent fasting. And I think when we get locked into this idea that um, ketosis is what we're really after all the time. We miss out on so many of the other benefits of intermittent fasting. And we also put so much stake in that urine strip or, you know, blood strip or whatever you're doing to check your ketones, not realizing that people from the beginning of time have lost weight without going into ketosis, right? How do vegans lose weight eating six times a day on all the fruits and vegetables that they eat? How do Weight Watchers people lose weight and keep it off and become lifetime members? How do calorie counting people, how do vegetarians, 
How do Whole30 people who are not in ketosis, how do they all lose weight? You know how, right? They're decreasing their total intake. And all of these mechanisms help us do that. All right, so number five is a fitness expert and an intermittent fasting teacher. And she believes that, that anything non-caloric um, will, will not break the fast and that tastes are not so much of a big deal. Now I've since heard her say black coffee, plain tea and water only, um, but I've also heard her say that tastes do not matter. Okay, so um, I kind of heard it both ways from that. And so, um, and I, I emailed her and she said that it's dependent on what they're after. So it's the same concept as um, the number one. Okay, number six is a chiropractor and a low carb fasting teacher. And he believes in a few calories, but very few calories during the fast. And he doesn't believe in, in uh, fat, which was surprising because he's kind of a keto guy. Um, and no sweetness. Um, so you can have a few calories, but you, but you can't have sweet taste according to him, which was surprising because the doctor that I interviewed, uh, the diabetic doctor said that a sweet taste probably doesn't really cause an insulin spike, that you could probably get the same insulin spike from driving by Burger King and smelling it. So, so and if it does cause a spike, it's going to be a small blip. So um, no sweetness in his opinion, and a few, but a few calories. So coffee, tea, water, coffee does have three or four calories. So most coffees have three or four calories. So when people say no calories, no calories, uh, you're not allowed, you're not really fasting. And then they drink three cups of coffee. They probably had nine calories, right? So I'm, I, I think that it's really important that we not jump on bandwagons, that we evaluate everything according to our own needs. Again, I would not do what my husband does, but it worked wonderfully for him. But I know what happens. I take a sip of his Diet Mountain Dew, I am on the warpath, looking for pretzels, looking for peanuts, looking for something to eat. I, it, just, it just doesn't work for me, okay? But I am evaluating that for myself and he is evaluating it for himself. And I think that's really something important to take from this. Number seven, fitness expert and food and fasting teacher. A million videos online. All right, and he thinks that sweet tastes are fine. More than likely, not a problem. As long as they're non-caloric. Um, he uh, also um, believes that some fat in the coffee uh, is fine if it doesn't stall your weight loss. And um, he also believes um, that, do I have the right person there? Yeah, he also believes, I think I have that switched. Oh, he's the one who believes lemon, lime, lemon, lime, diet soda, coffee, tea, um, anything that's non-caloric is what he believes. So I have those two switched, five and seven. Okay, so number eight, the last one is a fasting teacher and an author and a blogger. And this uh, individual believes coffee, tea, water, salt in your water is probably fine. Small amount of lemon is probably fine, which if you got a, a three or four calorie coffee and then you put, you know, five, four or three or two or three or four calories of lemon in your coffee, you do have calories. You are consuming some calories. 
um, and uh, also small amounts of oil uh, via a CBD oil. Um, and I'm, I'm not sure about the essential oils, but a small amount of oil. All right, so we can see we have a broad spectrum of people here. Speaking of spectrum, that's why in my intermittent fasting course, uh, one of uh, the first days I teach what's called coping, conception, coping consumption spectrum chart. And on that, I ask them, can you stay in this first 25% of the things that most people believe will not break your fast? You know, if you move over here and you meet, you know, you do some sweet taste, evaluate it, but can you stay over here? If all the way over here, this is probably going to, uh, you know, break your fast, okay? Now, another reason that I feel like this is important is because when we follow one of these individuals only, and we make that the gospel for everybody and for everything. I think about the people who maybe would have stuck with intermittent fasting if they had been told that, that their diet Mountain Dew doesn't make them a non-faster. I think about the people who want to put almond milk in their coffee and it's seven calories and they want to put that in their coffee and people tell them you're not really fasting if you do that. You cannot fast and do that. You cannot lose weight. It's impossible. You're not really fasting. You're a calorie counter. So I think that different, each one of these, when you go into their groups, you go into their blog and they're all great people and they all have research. When you go into there, I think that when we attach ourselves to one or one way only, that we are really doing a disservice to other people. I think my husband, he's lost 120 pounds. He would still be on blood pressure medicine. We would not be able to ballroom dance. He would not be able to play pickleball uh, and frisbee golf with his kids. He wouldn't be able to be on the floor with his grandkids. And it would have all been because I would have said to him, if I just took taken one of these camps, you're not really fasting. Okay. So I just want us to be careful. I want us to help other people. I want us to be a light to other people and not discourage them. Tell them. People believe all of these things. Research shows all of these things. Let me stop sharing for a minute. Research shows all of these things to be true. Okay, this research study shows this. This rat study shows this. This, you know, uh, Splenda through a tube shows this. This self-reported study shows this. This uh, in-house study where the people are actually housed there shows this. And that it's not really something that we can say across the board, this is always true. And instead we use those three things to measure for ourselves. And we help other people use those three things too. And we help them get results. We help them get health. We help them get wellness. Isn't that what we want, right? As opposed to, you know, violent adherence to keto coffee only or violent adherence to no cinnamon. You will not lose weight if you do cinnamon, right? So I'm opinionated about this. I'm not opinionated about which school to follow. I'm opinionated that we look at it for ourselves. I'm opinionated that in it, in the way that we want to get our own results. And what does that mean for you? What will get you the results that you want? What will take you where you want to go with your health journey? And it's going to be reliable, repeated, robust research, and even if we don't, even if we just think the research is too confusing, there's, there are eight different people saying eight different things. I can't do that. I can't live with that. Even if we say we can't use research, we can use the other two. 
and that is observation of others and personal experience. And we can get to our goals, we can get our get to our finish line by doing that, and we can even not discourage but help others also get to their goals. Thank you so much for joining me. Um, it's been my pleasure. I hope you will also join me on Think, Feel, Eat. And this Thursday night, actually, in uh, Donna's Weight Loss Lifestyle Group, we are going to do part one of Urges. Um, really want to wrap our heads around that. Think, Feel, Eat. Really want to wrap our heads around that and learn a lot about Urges. How to sit with them, how to deal with them, where they're coming from, the difference between overhunger and overdesire, and how we can combat both of those, and how we can actually just reduce our urges. It's way better to have fewer urges than it is to have a lot of urges but fight them. Isn't that better? It just feels better. It's just hard, it's just easier. It's not so difficult. So join me Thursday night um, at seven o'clock in. Uh, Donna's Weight Loss uh, Lifestyle Group for Think, Feel, Eat. Thanks a lot.